Okay, and thank you for asking me to take an active role in my own recovery. You know, it's real easy to sit in the back of the meeting and not say anything. Uh, but see, I got sober uh, January 25th, 1994. So tomorrow's my uh, 29th year anniversary. If I make it to midnight, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to make it there. Uh, I came from a uh, single family home. And uh, my mom, or single family, single parent home. And uh, back in the 40s, that was a, a big thing, unusual. I, I'm not sure, maybe in high school there were some other kids like that, but not when I was growing up, grade school and all. Um, I don't think that was so horrible. I, the little bit I knew of my father, I mean, he was okay, but I wasn't like real missing him or anything. I have uh, ADHD only uh, when I was in grade school, they didn't even know what that was. Uh, so I was just a bad kid who <laughs> wasn't paying attention. <laughs> you're smart, but you're acting dumb because you're not paying attention. I remember that in first grade, I was in the Bluebirds. They, they broke the class into three groups. By the end of the week, I was in the, that was the top group. By the end of the week, I was in the bottom group. Because I kept looking out the window and I didn't know the words when it was my turn to read. I am. Uh, School wasn't too horrible, uh, except I hated it. I uh, went through somewhere along the line in my teenage years in high school. I just like everything just imploded on me. Here comes Gary. Uh, just imploded on me and I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to have anything to do with anything else. So I, uh, I quit going to school. The next thing you know, I'm going in there taking all these tests and they had me set up for a counseling session, whatever the county. And I got assaulted by, uh, sexually assaulted by the uh, therapist. Needless to say, I didn't go back. <laughs> uh, I went in the army and, you know, I don't know my first drink. It was, we were always sneaking something wherever I could, but most of them were sips. It wasn't until like in high school where I got totally blitzed out of my mind. And I also had my first run-in with the cops. It wasn't nothing spectacular. I uh, I got drunk and I was tired and I couldn't go anymore. And I laid down on somebody's lawn and next thing you know, the cops are there arresting me. Uh, plus I was underage for drinking too at the time. I went in the army and uh, 
And it was funny, up to that time, I wasn't crazy about beer. But I drank it. I mean, drank anything just about. Towards the end, I did drink just about any everything and anything. But uh, went over to Germany. We did a lot, quite a bit of drinking over there. And their beer is up to three times as strong as the American beer. So go get two bottles on an empty stomach before dinner. Nice buzz right through dinner. But when I got out of the army, I started, I was going to aircraft mechanic school during the day and I was working a, a factory job at night. And I didn't have time to drink. I mean, I literally, I was sleeping in the, we had a carpool. I was sleeping in the car pool trying, you know, to get enough sleep to last through the week. And I, I really didn't drink. And through most of my 20s, I mean, I got drunk once or twice. How many ever times it was, I, I, I don't keep track. But towards the, uh, my late 20s, all of a sudden, uh, well, there was a girl. <laughs> The story starts off with there was a girl, and uh, but there was also drugs, and I hadn't had any drugs up till that time. And the way I hear people describe their first drink, I didn't have that on my first drink, or but I sure did on my first hit. Oh my goodness, I fell in love. And I really didn't drink much during, at that time. I was doing drugs. I didn't need anything more. And I got strung out on meth and amphetamines. I mean, this is, this is 45 years ago or so. Um, and I was dying. Literally, I was dying and I knew it. Uh, I did anything in, in any way, fashion. The only thing I didn't do was like smoking the meth and all because nobody was doing that then. <laughs> it was either snorting it or injecting it. That was it. And unfortunately, I got involved with the needles and ended up with hepatitis C and all the stuff that goes with it. Um, about, I'm going to take a guess, 10 years this was going on. And I knew I had to stop the drugs. So I stopped the drugs. Slowly. I won't do this particular drug anymore, or I won't do this particular delivery method anymore, because it makes a big difference. And I never thought about alcohol. I didn't, get, I didn't drink that much. I didn't have a problem with alcohol. My problem was drugs. So I never tried to give up alcohol. I just kept drinking. And I probably deep down inside knew I was drinking more and more and more. But that realization was put, delayed for quite a while. I, uh, I got a couple memories I, I, I like to share because I like to remember them. Uh, Woke up one Monday morning, 
football-sized black and blue on my back. Don't have any idea where that came from. A hellacious hangover. And I went and I followed my normal morning ritual. I, I mean, I drank the whole cup the whole pot of Mr. Coffee. <laughs> I didn't drink just the cups. Uh, and I remember thinking, well, you know, you overdid it a little this weekend. Because it was always just a little. Uh, and I went to work. I was uh, the foreman at the time. So I gave their guy, their guys their uh, jobs. And uh, Figured I'd close the office door and uh, suffer through it. <laughs> but about 10 o'clock in the morning, I started feeling really bad. I called the front office and, you know, told them I was going home sick. It took about till one o'clock that afternoon to realize I was running a fever. I had the flu. And I didn't know the difference between the, having the flu and just another Monday morning. Uh, I don't ever want to forget that because I, I can get get a cold now and I'm like a big sissy where, oh man, I think I'm dying. <laughs> and when I think about the way I used to walk around, it, it, it's amazing. I amazed myself with that. Uh, the other is I, I was in this motorcycle club and wasn't a the gang, wasn't, you know, all Harleys. Uh, it was... 50-50, but they, it was a real fancy club. They had their own land, their own building, this, that, the other, and more jobs and titles that you can shake a stick at. And I ended up where I wanted to be, Bob the bartender. Uh, I figured the closer I was to the bottles, the better off I was. Plus, during uh, the business meeting, I, you couldn't serve alcohol. If you had it, you could drink it. So I'm at the bar. I keep pouring shots underneath for myself. Make a long story short, I uh, got on the motorcycle and was going home. And uh, yeah, it was a 15, 20-mile ride. And I got off the interstate and came over the overpass, and there was a DUI checkpoint. And they were checking every vehicle. And I'm going, oh, shit. <laughs> no use trying to turn around. They always have a trailer car on behind you. And it must have taken 15, 20 minutes to get up to the cop himself coming down the, the hill. And I'm not sh- I have no idea what was going through that guy's mind. But if he had just asked me my name, he would have known I was drunk. I was that slurry, you know, slurring my words type of drunk at that point. And he just looked up and waved me through. And as I gave the throttle, I said, I'm going to ride the motorcycle every time I drink. And not only did I say that to myself, I did it for months. It was months before I actually got in a car and drove to the the meeting. Um, I uh, I was a slow starter in a lot of things. Like I said, I was almost 30 by the time I really got into 
addictive behavior. Uh, I didn't get married till I was 40. I remember the night we uh, went on a blind date. She got in the car, she took the joint right out of my hand, took this great big hit off of it. We went to a, a club, we danced and drank all night. Probably did a couple more bones, I have no idea. Uh, went home with her and I was in love. <laughs> it was the real thing this time. Ended up marrying her. And, you know, marrying your drinking partner usually ends up, <laughs> it was not a happy home. Let me put it that way. We we're both very destructive. Uh, I more punch more damn holes in the walls, kick doors off the hinges. You're not locking me out of a room in my house. You know, that kind of stuff. But I figured it was okay because I was a carpenter. I knew how to fix all this stuff. So I just, you know, patched the holes in the walls, fixed the door, and what have you. And it was chaotic. So I, uh, I go out to uh, New Mexico. That's where she, uh, my first wife was from and go fishing with her brother. And I just had a bad feeling before we went. And we had took a case of beer to the lake with us and we finished the beer and then we went to a bar and blah, blah, blah. And about 11.30, quarter to 12 on January, uh, January, July 3rd, 1991, I think. Uh, I was going east, eastbound in the westbound lane on the interstate and ran into a car. They all couldn't avoid me. And I ended up in jail that night again. Uh, I think that was, that was the last time I was in jail, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, but I bailed myself out. I had a pocket full of traveler's checks. Still had to go through a bail sponsorman, but, uh, you know, I got myself bailed out. Paid the fine. Spent the rest of the vacation fixing the car so I could drive it home. <laughs> it still needed a lot of work when I got it home, but I had to have headlights and, you know, all the necessary things. And I went, I went through a crazy story. I'm not going to tell it because it's going to take too long. But uh, with my license, New Jersey, New Mexico, and uh, the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. And I wasn't a happy camper. <laughs> but it all worked out in the long run. And I, I swore I was going to stop drinking. You know, when I got back from New Mexico, oh, my uh, ex decided not to come back from New Mexico with me. And I guess she called work and extended her vacation. I, I don't know what exactly she did, but she was out there. She stayed out there for a while. And I, uh, I, 
One morning, the phone rang, Saturday morning. And it was my ex, and she says, do you remember last night? I hated those words. Now, she's in New Mexico. I'm in New Jersey. No. Do you remember last night? No, I don't remember last night. Wow. Long story short, you admitted you were an alcoholic. You said you're going for help. Uh, I'm going like, holy shit. <laughs> Did I really say that? Um, then, then she says, I gave you the flight number and everything. And I was sleeping on the sofa and on the coffee table is a piece of paper. And the best I can say is you, you gave a two-year-old a pen or a pencil because that's there. Just all these scribbles. I couldn't get one number airline. I couldn't get anything out of what I'd scribbled on the paper. I went upstairs and I said, well, I told her I'm going, going to get help. So I took the phone book out, opened it to Alcoholics Anonymous. And well, I'll call this afternoon. I don't want to call in the morning. Anyway, I'm still hanging over it. Three days later, I put the phone, phone book back where we normally kept it and hadn't called, but decided I was going to quit on my own. I made 28 days. 28 miserable freaking days and I thought I was going crazy during oh my god Oof. yeah secular meeting oh my god <laughs> anyway I'm not going to worry about my language that way or not things I've been saying for all these years I'm going to probably keep saying uh, what was I just uh, oh I made those 28 days and Came home and blamed it on my ex because she'd come home drunk and had a hot dog on the stove. I was at school and uh, the whole house, I couldn't even go in the house. I mean, there was so much smoke in the house. Luckily, it was just the hot dog in the pan that burned, you know, not the whole kitchen. But I used that as my excuse to quick go to the liquor store, get a bottle and And I drank, and I kept drinking for a couple more years. Uh, I knew I was in trouble. I, uh, but even though, I mean, I knew about AA and stuff, I knew it was there. I didn't know a lot about it. I'd been to a few meetings, but uh, I didn't pick anything up because I was trying to pick something up at the meeting, and uh, <laughs> which was a young lady, of course. And uh, I, uh, I didn't remember any hardly anything about it, except that I got a kick out of some of the people's stories uh, around New Jersey, New York City area. There was a ton of speaker meetings. They used to say, if you don't don't speak at least once a month. You're not, you're not doing it right. Uh, moved down to Florida. Got, we have very few. I speak a couple times a year. That's it. That's enough. Um, and I remember one time 
And it was so funny to look, think about now, but it's uh, an example of my thinking at the time. Uh, I remember I had a speaking commitment in Fords, New Jersey. And it was a big building. There, there had to be 100 people there or more. That, that didn't bother me because I was used to speaking by that time. I had a couple of years, maybe. And here, my ex and all her girlfriends walk in, and I'm just there going, oh, shit. But really, when I think about it, I'm going to hide what I did from the person who's supposed to be the closest in my life. <laughs> uh, well, that's what I did. I hid things back then a lot. Uh, I uh, I hated school when I was in high school. I mean, it was it was a chore. As an adult, I I started enjoying going to school. Of course, I was taking the courses I wanted to take for my benefit. I didn't have you know prescribed ones and all, and uh, so I was taking these courses and. Drinking and the courses were kind of in conflict with each other. Because most of the classes didn't start till 7 38 at night. And, then, and I got to drink through this. Uh, or I can't drink through it. So I, uh, I, I took my normal route out of that situation. I took easier classes. The last year, while I was drink, actively drinking, that I went to school, I had two classes. They were the easiest classes you could think of. It just had to show up. And if you showed up seven out of the 10 nights, you got a certificate. I flunked them both. I already had a DUI by that time and stuff. And it was it was quite a ride to this school. So I, uh, if I started drinking before I went to the school, I didn't go. So I flunked the courses. Now, I'm not going to fit this in nice and because Bob's mind doesn't work nice and smooth. It's like a pinball machine goes all over. Uh, I'd gotten sober, and I'll come back to that. But uh, first year, I took fairly easy courses. When the ADA first got class uh, passed, and it was a, again show up and you get a certificate. Well, it was directly re related to the job I had, so uh, that was good. But it was an easy course. And then the next semester, I started taking the regular courses that you actually had to study for and stuff. Um, and uh, be perfectly honest, part of my studying was I didn't have to talk to the ex when I was doing that. When I had my nose in a book, I was didn't have to deal with her too much. And... Uh, but I finally decided, 
well, how I could teach some of this. I was a building inspector at the time. I'd started off as a carpenter, ended up doing building inspection. I said, hell, I could teach this stuff. So I went and got myself certified to teach it. Now, I sent out resumes to all the community colleges close by because it's a required course if you're going to get a building inspector's license in New Jersey. And I, uh, so I finally, I got a call. And uh, I go there, you know, show up, go, go to the night school office at whatever building it was in. And I went, and the lady was really nice, welcomed me on board and all this stuff. And took me, she says, I'll show you your classroom. I didn't bother saying I'd been taking courses there for years. I knew where most of the rooms were, or I could find them anyway. Took me to the classroom of one of those classes that I flunked out. And now with three, four years sobriety, I don't remember exactly how much. I was going to be a teacher in that room. I get a little emotional on that particular thing because it was such a shock. Just that it was the room, you know, the same room. I, uh, but let's go back to the drinking, Bob. <laughs> I, uh, I kept drinking. The house was, uh, like I said earlier, it was a battle zone. And uh, I won't go into too much detail on that part of it, but uh, it was not pretty. So about, uh, oh, one night the ex comes home, she puts her hands on her hips, and very defiant look and looks at me and says, I'm going to Al-Anon. I'm like, you traitor. <laughs> but the funny thing is, about a week or two later, she came in, walked up. Because I probably I lived pretty much on the bottom floor of the house in the rec room there and came through out of the garage. And she went upstairs and didn't say anything. And says, this this on stuff isn't so bad. I'm not hearing her bitching and moaning and you know, how much you've been drinking or something. And uh, I always come back with, I had a couple. And then she'd say, why are you slurring your words? Uh, the normal stuff. Uh, oh, I, I'm not sure. A couple months later, she comes in and makes another announcement. She decided she's an alcoholic. And she started going to meetings. And so every night she was going out to a meeting. I'm going to a meeting. I'm going to a meeting. And I wasn't saying nothing. Because I know that's how they get you. <laughs> uh, so I didn't ask what kind of meeting or anything. Just have a good time. I'll see you. And finally, I remember one uh, Saturday morning. It was probably the end of November. She said, you go or want to go over to a meeting with me? And I, yeah, okay, I'll go. It was a big book meeting. Uh, 
But at the beginning, they asked for newcomers, and there was three of us in the back row, of course, uh, put our hands up and Joe on um, whatever, all this stuff. And it, Bob Alcoholic just rolled out of my tongue, off my tongue. It was no, wasn't traumatic. I, I'd known I was an alcoholic for years. I, uh, and I waited a week or so and decided, well, I'll, I'll try a, another meeting. So I worked, walked into the worst meeting I've ever been in in 29 years of sobriety. That was my meeting number two. I'm there shaking and detoxing and what have you. And it was a bunch of teenagers and the, the, the one guy, you know, he's been he'd been clean for two weeks and his father still won't trust him and let him go to the uh, concert. And then it was a teenage uh, young lady that, uh, well, I forget, somebody called her something in school and her life was over. I, I don't remember all the details of that, but... I remember going back home and thinking, man, is this a bunch of shit? <laughs> and the next night, I just, you know, I told my ex, I said, eh, I'm not going to that crap. And uh, so Wednesday night, I sat home. And Thursday, she was going out the door. Her sponsor had come to pick her up. And after about five minutes, she came back in the house and she says, there's no room for you, but you want to come with us to the meeting. Uh, her sponsor, they, they were speaking at a, a local meeting there. And that was okay, because I heard people's stories and, and it sounded real. It wasn't this nonsense. And, I, and after that, she, she told me, try this meeting, this meeting, this meeting. And I got going in it. But I wasn't going very far. <laughs> you see, I didn't have anybody's phone number. I didn't call anybody. I didn't go every day. I had already read the big book because I woke up with it on the pillow beside my head one, one Sunday morning. And I read the first 164 pages because every time I sat up, my head throbbed too bad. So I'd lay back down and start reading it again. However, on a Sunday in New Jersey, the liquor store was closed at six and I made sure I was to the liquor store before six. Uh, even though I said it made sense at all, I wasn't ready to go put myself into this so went on for eh, anywhere from six to eight weeks. I uh, was going to meetings and I was continually drinking. I remember there was a, I only went there a couple of times. It was a nine o'clock speaker meeting on a Monday night. And there's no way I could wait till after the, you know, the 10 o'clock at night and not have any alcohol in me. Yeah. So I, uh, when I woke up one morning, 
And I, I felt worse than I ever felt in my life, all up here. You know, I drank the night before. I didn't hardly have a hangover. It was just a, maybe I drank a pint. Who knows what it was, but it wasn't that much. But I felt lost. Lost is probably the best word for it. And uh, so I, I went to the meeting that night. I got a sponsor. I joined the home group. And that was the last day. That, that, was, that would have been tonight, 29 years ago. Uh, and I got involved. I've always been involved in service work. Most of it at the very beginning was picking up chairs and folding tables and, you know, getting the meeting room clean again and things of that type, or going there early and setting up. But I also took all the group jobs and they, they talked me into uh, intergroup rep. I didn't have two years yet, but they, they wanted me to do it anyway. And I found out why they wanted you to have at least two years. I was ready to pick a chair up and wrap it around this guy's head. Uh, it was like, you gotta be kidding me. 200 ego-driven alcoholics, <laughs> not just alcoholics, the more ones with the bigger egos in the same room. And I had my big ego there too. I'm not gonna <laughs> pretend I didn't. Uh, but I've always had a job. Uh, so myself and my first wife divorced. And uh, I met another lady, and it was quite kind of a quick uh, courtship thing. And next thing you know, we're married. Uh, only this this one, when I say didn't drink, she didn't drink what I call drinking. I remember we went down to Aruba one time on, and she bought a bottle a vodka in uh, Puerto Rico, duty-free shop. And we took it to Aruba. And he, she, you know, 17 days later, there's still this much booze in the bottom of the bottle. I found bottles after I stopped drinking, but none of them were full. <laughs> I just found empties. So anyway, I got married the second time. Good, the best part of that is I ended up ending after I had you got let me start slow that one down a little. <laughs> the tongue got it faster than my head, <clears throat> or my head got faster than my tongue. So we end up coming down, moving to get both retiring. I, I was we're both a little young for retirement, uh, but 9 11 happened and my job was gone. I put my, I left myself exposed because I was making more money that way. Uh, so I worked part time for the next year doing building inspection, and then I uh, we moved to Florida. 
that I've got to thank her for. She died last spring sometime. Uh, but I have to thank her for that because uh, she had a place down here already. Uh, and we came here on, on the honeymoon and I loved it. And a couple of years later, we moved down here. And I liked, I don't know how to draw the comparison. I liked some of the things of the of AA in Florida. They didn't have quite as many grumpy old men who'd interrupt you in the middle and blah, 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 blah. Uh, there's some, but not very many. But oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of the Bible Belt. Every meeting down here, you know, serenity period at the beginning, at the end, I got the Lord's Prayer. And praise God. I, I don't know how many, I call them revival meetings I went to over the years down here. And there's no uh, kind of country thing. So it's like maybe 70, 80 miles trying to get a secular in-person meeting. Uh, so I don't, I didn't bother. But then COVID came along. Oh, I missed a big part of it. I can do that one quick. Uh, then COVID came along and I found secular AA. And I am in love with secular AA. I don't have to grind my teeth in meetings. Oh, when I, I call it when I came out of the closet. When I, in a meeting, said, I don't believe in God. Uh, I got some, not, put it this way, not very Christian treatment towards me. <laughs> uh, I, I remember the one, just because it was so funny, I, I shocked the shit out of him. He, uh, Right when I announced I was uh, uh, didn't believe in God, he comes up after that meeting. He says, Bob, you know, you're living in the Bible Belt. So I go to meetings every day. I go to a ton of meetings. Uh, probably have more meetings than I have days. Um, So the next meeting, he says the same thing. The third meeting, he says the same thing. And I'm thinking, I've had enough of this. You know, I turned on him in a real nasty tone of voice and all. What the fuck's that supposed to mean? And, you know, he almost shit his pants. He backed up so fast. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But not all of them have backed up. I've had a... I've had some not so wonderful experiences in traditional AA because if this is my belief, I'm going to say it. And I'm not going to, well, let's not talk about that. I suffered in AA for, for years, almost 18 years before I came out of the closet. And, uh, There's got to be other, I figured there's got to be other people like me out there. But if they don't hear somebody say it, 
they're not going to know that it is. At least, you know, I've been approached by several people. I don't know if they, what they're doing today as far as their meetings, don't care. I just guided them here. Here's here's a website. You can go to this website and you're you're free. Uh, one probably the proudest thing and accomplishment in my uh, life happened uh, in 2006 in November. I flew down up yeah flew up to New Jersey and picked my mother up. She was 99 years old and flew her back down to Florida and she lived with me. She died at 102. And it wasn't easy. It was not easy. The women in here probably not like it, but you don't know how many times I said, I wish I had a sister. Uh, I didn't, I had a brother, he was gonna put her in a nursing home in New Jersey. So I went up and got her. It's funny, the growing up, he did everything right. I did everything wrong, <laughs> you know. Uh, at the end, you don't want any part of her, you don't want, you know. Anyway. <sighs> My mouth's getting dry. I think I should shut up. 